0: This is cliffcentral.com.
1: Welcome to it Monday the bounce show after a huge huge hammering for the spring box. Yeah, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to try and make you feel happy about sports. So, yeah, we're going to cover the Springboks, but we're going to cover it in a way that, well, just kind of give you the facts you need to know uh, without dwelling too much on what's passed. Because let's be honest, that result of the weekend wasn't exactly a big surprise, was it? I was calling it to be a 25 plus victory for the All Blacks. They're so good that they played pretty averagely and they still managed to get the big 25 point or well, 28 point margin. Backing track today for the intro, Julian Jabre, all favorite swimming places is what it's called. Uh, There was some good news over the weekend. Paralympians, 17 medals all in all. 17, of course, that's seven more than the uh, the Summer Olympics. I never know quite what to call it. Do you call it the regular Olympics or do you call it the able-bodied Olympics? I don't know. Get some clarity on that. So 10 for them, 17 in the Paralympics. That is really, really good. Yeah, just touching on that rugby championship. Well New Zealand have already won it. They've got two games to go, the winning margin, their average on every single match, 29 points. Can you imagine it being that good? I was saying today, uh, this morning on the Gareth Cliff Show on Cliff Central and Touch Central. If you need to go through the history of SA Rugby, uh, just okay, from ninety-two onwards, right? Try find today how many times the box have won test matches by 29 points or more. And I'm not talking like the dicky games here or there against like Wales, sorry, um, Italy or Namibia. Top flight test matches. How many of the times have there been 29 points or over? It was, of course, in the big weekend of football. Um, sundowns, well, they had a very tough ask. They had to go up country, sorry, up continents and play Zesco United in the Caf Champions League. Now, I remember the story from a few months back. They got knocked out. But then uh, one of the teams were being dodgy, fielding eligible players. They got back in the group stage. They won the group stage. And now they're in the semi. So 2-1 down. But they got that vital away goal, which was really, really cool for them. So they've still got Zesco to come here. And they can still make the final. I think 2001 was the last time that Sundowns made the Champions League final. So the chance is still very much alive there. In other local football, MTN8 Cup final semi finals, uh, Cape Town City held VIT 0 0, but well, they got hammered in the first leg 3 0. So Tinkler's men, bright start to the season, and they've still got lots to go, but uh, MTN8 Cup, that's no longer theirs. In English football, Jose, well, how special is he really? His record's not so great, and it's getting worse and worse. They lost to Feyenoord last week in the uh, Europa League, which is kind of embarrassing for him anyway, not being in the Champions League, but then to lose in the Europa League. And then to go to Watford and lose 3-1. That is, that's a hammering. That is a hammering. 3-1 they lost, And he's saying that the team just doesn't have confidence, and that they're buckling under pressure. Well, Jose, this is where the special has to come out, doesn't it? It's really, really sad for them. No problems for Manchester neighbours, though. Man City, 4-0 over Bournemouth. Real, real hammering there at home. Leicester, also really good. They beat Burnley 3-0. And Arsenal away to Hull. Four goals. Hurrah, hurrah. I'll bring those Arsenal TV clips back uh, quite soon. That's when I just want to kind of get the season to settle, you know, because I don't want to have the same kind of ranting and raving from those guys. They're entertaining, but you don't want to be too repetitive. Big result from the Friday in the English Premier League was Liverpool doing, well, a pretty good job over Chelsea. 2-1 was the final score, 2-0 up at, at half time. They were looking so good. Two really, really great goals. And, uh, well, Chelsea's woes, huh? New managers aren't going to solve this kind of stuff. And Spurs beat Sunderland. But, well, with Spurs, you know they're going to be there, thereabouts, but nothing really too threatening. Singapore Grand Prix, well, it's Mercedes again, isn't it? If you get pole in in a technical street circuit like that and you can just hold on, there's a good chance you're going to win. And Rosberg did that. He went into that first corner. Safety car came out. There was a bit of a smash-up behind him, but he held on. He held on really, really well. He had a late charge by Daniel Ricciardo because Red Bull had a pretty, well, Bold, uh, tyre sort of strategy. So Ricardo was on a much faster tyre set coming towards the last few laps. As much as three seconds he was eating into his lead, but Rosberg was far ahead enough, and now he leads the championship. Eight points over Hamilton, who could only have a third. Other big highlight from the weekend was Hank McGregor. Now, you've probably never heard of Hank McGregor. I'm not going to pretend I have either. But uh, the dude won his seventh world title in the men's K1 crown at the ICF Canoe Marathon World Championships. Now, if you're a world champion of anything once, you're pretty incredible. Seven times? Well, that's pretty much legend status, isn't it? So that's pretty much all the big stories from the weekend as far as your wrap ups concerned, with re- results and happenings. There was some curry cup action. Um, the sharks, well, they were much better than EP and a whole bunch of rain. Uh the bulls are pretty good. Uh, cheetahs beat the Lions and Western Province, well they were very limp against the Pumas. But still they march on. But let's get into rugby, right? I always try to prolong the inevitable here, but yeah, it's pretty sad. I will tell you what is coming up after the rugby, though. We'll be talking hockey. Now, last week I got a message, and I didn't mean to come across sound like a bit of a dick, but it's difficult to cover so many sports and to cover them with any sort of enthusiasm or authority. But that's fine, because I've got Sonali Mangisa coming in, and she is a hockey player. Uh, of some repute and uh, also someone who knows a hell of a lot about sports so if you're going to talk about a subject what I always believe in get a specialist get someone who knows 10 times more than you and uh, let's see where you go from there so if you're looking to get more hockey on the show today is your day how about that hey you didn't expect that about three minutes ago but uh, if you don't know anything about hockey and we want to find out more about the professional hockey league that's now taking place in this country well today's your lucky day as well all of this and more. Uh, we're going to start off with some rugby, though. So let's just cut straight to it, right? Thank you, Julian. That'll be enough from you today. The weekend, well, it was going to be a hammering. Um, and it wasn't that bad at time. But, boy, did things get really, really bad towards the last 20 minutes for the box.
2: So Piranara
1: waits. Off goes Piranara. Too easy. TJ Piranara.
3: Wow, this setups caused them headaches all night, hasn't it, Smithy? They just haven't known quite how to defend against it. Faf de Klerk caught in no-man's land a couple of times when the All Blacks have run at him. He's not really getting a lot of assistance from his flanker there, who stayed on the scrum, you can see. And they both missed him and got it wrong, horribly wrong.
1: Yeah, and they also, I think they got it wrong with uh, Mornay Steyn because he was defending so far left trying to protect Ben Smith. I mean, he just was of no assistance at all in that. But you're right. I mean, Aaron Smith and now TJ Piranara have had so much room with which to run tonight. It's been quite rare. Adrian. Yeah, quite rare. Uh, <laughs> it's a really great clip. So as always, when I put the show together for you uh, on the website, thebounceofseer.ca, I'll include all these clips. And there's this priceless moment where I think it's Wayne Smith turned to Steve Hansen after this try. And you could almost hear him say, it's too easy, isn't it, mate? Because when TJ Perenor scored that try, you've got Yaku Creel on the side of the scrum, and then you've got uh, Faf de Klerk. They are manning the channel, basically, from the pick and go. Now, people crap on all day. And rightly so, wrongly so, whatever it is, but they always keep going on about certain things. Politics is killing the game. As you could see, a con coach, not the best squad coming in, blah, 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 blah. But here you've got two guys here okay... People have no problem with having in this team. You've got Flafter Klerk from the Lions, Jakob Creel from the Lions. No problem. People are calling for Creel to come off the bench sooner. You've got these guys in a position where they can do their best and they're standing there looking like complete knobs. So, there's a lot wrong with SA Rugby, but we've really got to keep things in perspective. We can't keep crapping on about the same old things, about the same uh, things, problems in the boardroom. Yes, there are problems in the boardroom, but sometimes players just aren't tackling. Players just aren't doing very well. And there were so many elementary mistakes over the weekend. Let's just start off with uh, some of the basic stats here. I mean, you know, when in doubt, just go back to basics. Have a look what really happened in the match of the weekend, okay? So, on the, uh, All Out Rugby app, it's always my go-to source. If you look at the stats, okay? 41-13, right? There's one team in that. Six tries to one. Oh, I remember the days where, you know, these games were really, really close and, uh, the substitute bench wasn't being rung on left, right and center because people were actually having a real tight game. If you look at just basic things, okay, the kicks were pretty even, but meters run. The All Blacks ran 470 meters. The team that scored five tries less than the Springboks, they ran 206 meters. Clean breaks. 12 clean breaks to six. The All Blacks again doubling them on that one. Really is worrying. Defenders beaten 24 to 14. Ah, oh, it's just really not good, is it? Tackles missed, well, All Blacks, they missed 14. And they were quite loose at stages, let's be honest. This wasn't a vintage All Black performance, but the box, 22 missed tackles. Just getting on the All Blacks there. Now, we all like to say that they're amazing, they're incredible, and the box are really, really cuck. But their local media actually gave them a bit of a roasting over the weekend. Now, just bring your attention towards the player ratings. Now, everyone loves a good player rating, right? Because they can go, oh, I told you that guy was cuck, or, you know, something else. So, um the new zealand herald okay i often get some pretty good rugby articles from this this is how they rated the all blacks over the weekend ben smith got a six israel Dagg a six malachi fekatoa four ryan crotty five julian sevier six hardly inspiring right this is hardly 41 13 performances right burden barrett uh seven aaron smith he got a nine okay he was really really good i mean Shame, poor after Cloak. He's not been playing great at the moment. To play against Aaron Smith in that form, horrendous. Uh, Kieran Reed, he got an eight. And uh, the caption below says, but he still isn't the Reed of old. <laughs> Tough crowd. Oddie Sevilla got a seven. Jerome Kano got a seven. Sam Whitelock got a, f- a five. Brady Rutalek got a six. Owen Frank, six. Dan Coles with a nine. Uh, he was really incredible. I mean, there's a guy who put most of our backline players to shame, unfortunately. And Tom Moody got a five. So it's pretty scathing reviews as far as what happened here with um with the all black all black team for the weekend, but they were just effortlessly good, weren't they? So what is the problem? This is what people are saying, this what you hear all over the place. Fact is, there is no answer. It needs to be worked out. Very obviously, what it, what it appears to me is that this team has no confidence whatsoever, okay? There's absolutely none. I mean, these guys are making the most basic elementary of mistakes. Obviously, it's easy to pick out a guy like Elton Jancis, right? Who, let me just first say, to his credit, they fi- they hammered him as a as a defensive channel of the weekend. In the first half alone, he was made to make eight tackles. Eight tackles, okay? That's a lot for a fly half. And they just kept going, going, going. And he stood up to that manfully. He did really, really well. But again, tactical kicking, absolutely nowhere um he dropped an absolute sitter which then led to a try i mean it's just most basic stuff second half starts you want to get the momentum going you're only five points behind what happens kicks out in the full it's fair to say then i mean he's been given six tests now seven if you include the fact that Lambie went off concuss quite quickly in that first irish test he's been given a lot of time to prove himself right now people can go on all the time about saying well he needs a better forward pack or he needs this he needs that in test rugby you don't get anything like you've really got a, you've got a hot fight for every single thing you get in test rugby it's one thing to say a guy is good at super rugby because he has but more time and um your mistakes aren't as costly but when you're making the mistakes that Elton's making right now you can't keep him in a team you can't justify his his, his inclusion it really is as simple as that so as you could see i'm pretty sure would have dropped him already. but there's just no one else you're not going to start with more stane he's very much your safety net so he's got a guy who can't perform He's not firing. He's not executing what, what happens here. And then you've got a safety net. So there's one thing to keep in mind. Mostly I'm saying this because people are just attacking the coaches right now. And though I will say I don't believe Sean has got the qualities to be there. I don't think Tondila has got the qualities to be there. You can't just keep attacking these guys. The players themselves had to be a little bit more accountable. After Cloak had a shocker, and again... Is this just a level too far for him? It's very difficult for these guys to really bet in in like performance, stake their claim at this level. When your learning ground is the All Blacks in New Zealand, it's not like the Springboks can now go and have like a little game against Italy. Like the Six Nations, okay? England, this great turnaround for England. People are saying, "Oh, Eddie Jones is an absolute god." Yeah, but Eddie Jones also gets to play against France, Scotland, Italy. Um, you know, Ireland also off the off the game he's not going into this playing a fired up Argentina and always gutsy Australia and an unbeatable New Zealand. I'm not making excuses at that level, but we've got to keep perspective around all of this. And our players, they just haven't got the confidence. And right now they're just walking into a shitstorm every single time. So while we look for positives... There is just so many things conspiring against this team. When you think of how the rugby championship starts, right? How's it start for New Zealand? Well, they take a very pleasurable mm, one-two hour flight across the Tasman Sea. They get to play the Aussies, right? Great. Then they go home. They play the Aussies at home. Then Argentina go to them. They play them at home. Then South Africa go to them. They play them at home. What does what does South Africa do? They play one match at home. They fly to Argentina. Okay. That's quite long. I've done that flight. It's not pleasant. From Argentina, they've got a flight to Australia. Again, that's not really pleasant, is it? I know there's a break in between, but get where I'm going with this. And then from there, you've got a flight to New Zealand. So in the first month of the tournament, you've played four games, one of which is at home, and you've covered exactly pretty much the circumference of the globe. These are all things that definitely aren't helping. So as much as you could see, it might not be the greatest coach in the whole world. Firstly, he was the only one that would have taken that job, and I think he needs to be thanked for that because this job and how it's set up from previous people – And the people who have the say in this country, this job is near impossible and everything is really conspiring against you when you started. So this guy needs to be kind of a little bit of slack, I think. And um, I know this is probably the judgment time now. Some people are saying it's still too early to judge this team. I think seven tests you can judge. And the fact that this team is getting worse rather than getting better is something we really have to keep in mind. So, yes, Judge him harshly, but also judge him within perspective of what's really going on here. He hasn't got a first-choice fly-off. Elton Cheese is butchering his opportunities there. The Ford pack's are right, but he's got to play a couple of his stalwarts because he needs some experience in this team. Unfortunately, most of the stalwarts are not kicking on. It's as simple as that. You can't go with a completely fresh-faced side because when you do that and you lose, everyone's going to call you a joker for experimenting too much. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't in many situations. He's got a very immature coaching staff. I'm not saying it because they're childish. I'm saying professionalism, experience-wise. So there's a debate. Did he pick his own or was his support staff thrust upon him? These are all questions we might not get answers to, but with time, hopefully we can kind of get to something happening around here. So there are clever people talking about this kind of stuff right now. We've got a week's break. We need to take stock of what's going on here, regroup, and hopefully there's a few more people going to come back to this team and maybe a few more bold selections need to take place because when you think about it, the beast has had all the chances he really does deserve. Junchies, the same with him. Is it time to now give Hochart another chance number nine? I think he's been wasted on the wing, and there's a guy who could combine brilliantly with either a Lambie or whoever else we've got. Maybe you can come back. Pollard's gone. He's out for a long, long time. Lambie also might be too soon. But another thing with Elton is, you know, it doesn't help it when you've got a very inexperienced scrum off. And whether they play together lines, that makes no difference. International rugby is a much different thing. It's a much scarier beast. So to say that they're a unit from the lines, therefore they must click international level. It's a nice thought. Perhaps it's right, but it's not happening right now. So before we... Tear into these people and be shouting shits and getting our pitchforks ready. We've got to keep perspective because we don't have other teams in this country. That's what South Africans also don't understand. It's like if you had a child, right? And he had three or four cuck games at rugby at school. What are you going to do? You're going to just leave him there. You're not going to give him a ride home. No, you support him. You give them a pat on the back and say, look, what you did today was terrible. What I've been teaching you for all these weeks, you're not implementing. We need to get back to the drawing board and we need to make this happen. I believe sometimes as fans, we really should do that and also just understand all the, the factors at play here. So I don't want to carry on too much on that because I don't want to sound like I'm defending anyone. What I want to do is bring in someone far cleverer than me and his name is Brendan Fenter. So last week, a clip went out and it went, uh, it went viral. So there's a good chance you've already heard this. But if you haven't, it's really good to kind of pick up on this. And just a few key insights as to what is so wrong about SA Rugby right now.
0: How dire to you, uh, in your mind, is the situation overall? Not just the result from last weekend, but the entire setup mm. uh, of Springbok Rugby. Uh,
3: you see, what, what fascinates me is that we could have looked at this, uh, the whole campaign and, and how, we, how could we have expected another result? You know, I'm fascinated that everybody is distraught because if you give Alistair no time to prepare, you give him a very inexperienced um, um, coaching staff, yeah. we basically overhaul our whole team, and there's an expectation that we need to play an expansive brand of rugby, and then we don't perform the way we like to perform, and then we say, well, this is a disaster. So for me, for my day-to-day job is I need to find a solution We all can see the sick patient, the the team, you know. So to keep it simple, is what is the solution? Are there other players? No, because half of the team is injured and half of the people are overseas uh, who were supposed to be playing. Jean, Victor, Ferry, those guys, time is finished, so they've retired. So there was a natural change in in staff. Um, So we were like other players, no. Are there any other coaches to help Alistair? Personally, I don't think so. Where are these coaches available? We all think there's this magic one that's going to come flying in and somebody's going to come with this brilliant idea. You know, is there a different game plan that we should play? You know, is, is this guy going to come in? Whoever's going to help Alistair and say, well, now all of a sudden we're going to uh, improve the skill level. Skill levels of stuff that's done in three seasons and it's done at the franchises. So uh, I I must admit, everybody's looking at the thing and uh, hoping for the silver bullet, the solution. It's not there. It's going to take time.
0: Yeah, just coming in there, because I, you make some very valid points, but I don't agree with some of them. First of all, I think that Australia had an sh- absolutely shambolic super rugby campaign, and uh, the Lions were one of our best teams playing really good rugby, so it has been proven that, that we have coaches who can compete against New Zealand sides. I think that uh, uh, both uh, Jan Ackerman and De Brain and JP, is it Ferreira? It's Jesse Ferreira. Jace, uh, yeah. Who's yeah. involved there, have yeah. been very, very successful admittedly with a side that they've had for three years but wouldn't it have made sense to help Alistair with that type of coaching support
3: Um, Nick see the the debate will always be will a new coach have come in but let's look at the Lions as 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 a case study so Alistair took all of those players and put them in the team so the mainstay of this team is currently the Lions squad we are trying to play a similar brand to what they're playing and you are not coming or be the first one to admit the big success in the Lions setup, is their culture and the environment. Mm. Bucky just created a brilliant environment. Fine, yep. slices so worked on it. But remember, that Lions team, the product of the work Mitch has put in. Yep. You look at the way um, Elton played, Carlos Spencer's um, signature is all over the way Elton played. Yeah. So it, it, it's, there was a lot of time invested in this, mm. this um, Lions team. I'm 100 con- percent convinced. We can't just take the Lions team just as it is and actually uh, uh, take their coaching staff, put them in the spring coaching staff and actually think. Remember Nick, we've tried it ten times. Mary Falunen, Carl, yeah, they always
0: know, a With respect, they, yeah. did, they didn't know how to coach it. I think that uh, Johan Ackerman and Swayze Brain do know how to coach it. So I think this present Springbok side... Okay,
1: right sorry. about now is probably when Nick Mellor just takes over. This guy, he, he, wow, he can talk. Huh? Uh, the rest of this clip is going to be up in the balance of Seattle today. You can go through the whole thing. But Nick Mallet, wow, this this dude—he actually hijacks conversations. So, um, last week I played there. Um, great talk, sorry, great chat by Brennan Fender, by the way. Some really good points in there, which I think you really should digest. But uh Nick Mallet, so I played in the Sunshine Tour Media Golf Day last week, which is such a highlight. I love that event because you can play, you go toe to toe against the pros, you play you match play against them obviously with your handicaps and stuff. And um, I was chatting to a friend of mine um, in the shower and Nick just completely took over our conversation because this guy, he, he, he literally, he could go to the Olympics and win more more medals than Phelps for talking ability. I mean, we're talking intensity, we're talking length, we're talking speed. This guy is just, he's just brimming with rugby <laughs> and he just doesn't know when to stop. Uh, it would be so great to get him in uh, as a guest because I literally intro him. He would talk. I could leave the studio I could probably go home, check up my cat, make sure she's got enough food, come back, make coffee, schedule another pre-recorded interview. Probably do that interview while Nick is still talking. Nod my head and he'll still go. he will be a solid hour. But hey, if you're that clever, go at it. So good on you, Nick. You're always providing good content. I would like to ask Nick one question, though. Why aren't you coaching again? I'd love to know what his real thoughts are. I mean, I know what the answer is. Because why, why risk all your insights? Because you can't do any wrong when you're a super sport pundit, right? Everything you say... You've got the ability of hindsight. You've got the ability to action replays. There's no heat or pressure. No one's wanting anything from you. You can just say it as it is. Whereas when you're a coach, you can have the best theories and everything in mind. But then, again, to Alistair Garcia's point, you can get a fly if you kick the ball out in the full. So <laughs> that's probably why Nick Bennett will never, ever come back. So that wraps up with the rugby. So Nani has just arrived in studio. studio. Uh, just before we get into her though, I'm going to play a little clip just to intro the premier hockey league right now last week i got a message and i forget who it's from and i do apologize just i get lost in the messages here uh we need to talk about more about hockey because there's now a professional league which is the premier hockey league so i've been going through some of the team names it all sounds quite interesting i have been going through the structure it all sounds quite interesting and uh there'll be live streaming options which is great because that obviously brings in the internet so um on the back of this we'll come back and we'll chat to sonani herself all about this who i think is the best person to talk about the premier hockey league
0: I've been you know, playing for Zara for many many years and this is probably one of the most exciting things that could have happened to so hockey I mean this is something we've always dreamt of a professional premier hockey league you know six franchises six women six ladies at the same tournament I think this can only take hockey to the next level yeah
4: I think with, with hockey we've always had a, a balance if I should say uh, probably more scared towards women than anything we've seen sponsors back us a bit more than the guys so to have a tournament a league that says we're on par we're playing one woman Game one, men's game is exciting. It Also creates a bit of a vibe um, at the turf. So this is this is quite fun. We can get to interact with the guys and see what they're doing in their hockey and share ideas and share
1: knowledge. Well, that sounds like quite a thing, here, huh? And that that was the voice of Sunani as well. Sunani, hi, how are you doing?
4: Good, thanks to you, Ben.
1: Yes, very good, thanks. Okay, I got your mic on. This is really good. See, these studios look a little relatively new to me. We used to be in those ones. Now we're here. Okay, it's good to be here. Well, it's good to have you because when I think when I think hockey, I I think you. <laughs> um, as you mean how long were you the SA goal, goalkeeper for
4: uh, 10 years
1: 10 years yeah. how A many caps is that
4: that's 120 caps.
1: Okay, so I've got a 120 international cap veteran here sitting across from me. So, hockey players, take that, huh? is if you guys don't share the crap out of this show from here, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. <laughs> okay, so when we think hockey, um you think it's a sport that uh, Mr. Fakila would rather go watch a music concert than watch itself. Um, that's another thing that comes to mind. And you were integral to point that out to the public. It was. Oh. what was. What have been some of the big challenges – in hockey of late, that's um, obviously we haven't seen something like this happen sooner, this Premier Hockey League.
4: Look, yeah, it's uh, – had it come 10 years ago, I'd have been very happy. But uh, at this stage, we, we're trying to chase systems around the world that are professional. Okay. So my opponents go to work hockey. i go to a 95 job. Right. So that's the kind of environment we're trying to chase. This gives us a bit of – A platform to work off but it's not the the model we'd like to go with in the future you know uh, we'd like to have a job that's hockey and that's your job you go in you go to gym you go to psychologist you go you go to your training session but this allows us to play competitive hockey for the start now it's a month next year it changes to a longer period so for to start off with now it's six teams and we're playing against each other for a full month every single weekend and then the model will change slightly next year.
1: That is absolutely brilliant. But now, just for like a global perspective, when you guys have gone to the Commonwealth Games, Olympics, all that kind of stuff prior, what other countries are in the same position that South Africa is in as far as people essentially amateur where they've got to have jobs and then the hockey? Yeah,
4: there's a, lot, there's a lot of countries that are in the same position. But what helps them is their geographical position. In Europe, you take an hour flight in, right, of course. in the next country. Our hour flight here doesn't even get you to Cape Town. So No, it doesn't they, even get you the Zim. Yeah. So there you can compete with a Holland and Belgium can compete with a drive to Belgium. You can compete, yes, you can have a ninety five job, whatever, but you can then play international hockey in the evenings or that kind of structure. German girls catch a train to go train. They live in Amsterdam but they train in, in Munich or that kind of environment. Right. So the geographical position helps in that sense is that yes, you could not have a full time program but at least you're training together three, four times a week.
1: Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense. So another big thing that making news from from hockey sort of outside perspective is that uh, neither the men's nor the women's team went to Rio in 2016. Now, again, like the mainstream media, you get certain reports, right? You get something saying that government doesn't care about you, uh, other reports going that you didn't get the criteria right. Um, can you clear that up, exactly what happened with that as, as to why – South Africa didn't have teams at Rio 2016, despite being best in Africa, if not mistaken? Yeah,
4: look, it's quite simple. Saskoc sets the criteria. Nothing simple in sports. No, no, no. <laughs> this, this, let's remove the gray area, because I'm actually quite cool. sick of this question now. Saskoc <laughs> sets the criteria, right? Yes. And there's an international IOC criteria. IOC said these are the qualifying tournaments, and you can once you've qualified in these tournaments, you become one of 12 teams that get to play in the Olympics. Each international Olympic body... Saskoc gets to set additional criteria if needed. So Saskoc set the additional criteria, okay, right? And we didn't meet that additional criteria, which was to come ladies, third, and men at the World League Round 3 tournament, right? We were never going to come third. We came in ranked seventh.
1: Okay. So would you say that it was not realistic right off the bat? Yes. Okay.
4: So now the question becomes, Saskoc – SA Hockey said that's not realistic. Saskok stuck by their guns and said we want you to do that, right? So now we're getting told. You get told what eighteen months before the Olympics that this is what you have to. It's not a discussion that was had before. So, you know, depending where you sit on, some people place the blame on Saskok for setting the criteria. Some people place the blame on SA Hockey for agreeing on the criteria. Oh,
1: well, they didn't have much choice, did they? No. I mean, I choice, I, I can't imagine you can no, go. No, there I, don't, and say, I don't. I don't. agree. I don't yeah.
4: believe you have choice in the matter because it's like take this, or you're not going either way. Yeah. So that that is the basis of it. So unrealistic criteria was set because we we just got a, a tournament. Oh, that's the next tournament you go to. Okay, come third at that tournament. We're going. we only the seventh ranked team at this tournament.
1: So okay. none of this had anything to do with the fact that Fakir and Blue had blocked you.
4: No, no. <laughs> I wish at least then it would have a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: I wish I could tweet him, but he still blocked me. Yeah, don't worry. He follows me. You can channel me if you want. Okay. So, look, it's nice to know the kind of background and stuff like this from you, of course, because you're not going to hold anything back here. Because when people say, well, why should we be getting involved in hockey? We've already got rugby. We've got cricket. We've got football. You know, We've got a lot of attention around sports that we only have a certain amount of time for. In, in your opinion, in your kind of standpoint, what is it that people should be getting more excited about from hockey? I mean, is it a great sport that pretty much all can play? Um, you know, what are the aspects that people really might be missing out on in hockey?
4: For me, I think the game of hockey is becoming more entertaining. Um, the, there was a big thing about four or five years ago that our rules are just, you don't understand them. I didn't understand them as a player because you, you get blown up for something and you go, what? So the the excitement of the game is becoming more and more, I could say it's become viewer friendly. So that's that's with the backing of Star Sport internationally. Mm-hmm. Indian company puts a bit of money into the broadcast rights and stuff and goes, Okay, we want this game to be more T V friendly and that's the exciting bit. So and then in terms of the players and the they're just we're getting more skillful players, exciting parts of the game. And also I think if you good at the stadium, at the stadiums, if you're good for a beer and a vibe, hockey's it Cost you less than rugby? Yeah, um, it's it's you closer to the action, I think, and it's it's just family friendly.
1: Okay, and um, obviously something that's you know from school level as well, there is a great coverage school-wise. Um, hockey, would you say it's, it's like with participation as, as up there with cricket and and, and rugby?
4: Uh, it's actually turning the tide at the moment. Uh, a lot of parents are. As, as we understand it, the people who work in schools and stuff like that, a lot of parents are done with injuries and stuff in rugby with their kids. Uh, for a very long time, rugby was considered the main sport at school and hockey, the second sport. You know, you play your games at, at a derby day at 12 and rugby players at three, mm-hmm. standard. So that tide is changing a bit because a lot of parents have just have had enough of their kids getting injured. And it's a lot of that. And then the sport, as I said, is becoming more interesting. The numbers are starting to show. So, in that sense, on a school level, it's turning a bit. And we'll probably need that more than anything to sell the game of hockey. Sell it at that level. And then it becomes, hang on, what's this, What's the this sport? It's like all the more relevant people start watching.
1: Well, that is kind of cool. But now, so this league, okay, I'm looking through these teams. Um, jeepers. Wineland Wings. <laughs> the Maropeng Cavemen. Um, Drakensberg Dragons. Yeah, that's Blyde River Bunters. Um, sure.
4: (laughs) So, so we haven't gone in provinces. So that's one thing we've stuck away from. Yeah, cause,
1: cause I was going to get it. Judging by these things, it's more about like a just general club and franchise rather than actual province. Probably
4: franchise, you could call it. And we've taken, um, Drakensberg, the winelands. You know, I, a elephant, icons, basically. Yeah, yeah, place of interest.
1: You know, it. reference points. Yeah, so. Now, the reason I bring that up is because I reckon this is the way cricket has to go in this country. T20 cricket. Because right. cricket is dying a slow death in many ways. No one's watching anything. I don't think there's been a spectator at the Sunfall series no. since I think Sunfall first started. And the family went there just to go check it out. <laughs> T20 cricket. I mean, ugh, they're looking for a sponsor at the moment. Yeah. That's not looking so good. But... um. The way i are look, looking at this um, this PHL now, which I find quite interesting, is that it's going more the sort of, as you say, systems that work better overseas.
4: Yeah, franchise cricket. Yeah. It would be franchise hockey. So none of us are playing in a predominantly in my province. I'm from RPT, which is an inter tournament. I'd played in Southern Gauteng. You had Western Province. You had Easterns, But now, basically, I was drafted into a team. Uh, with four other national players and all national players are drafted into the team before and then it's lottery the rest is just picking the coaches sit in the room and then pick their squads
1: okay so, so i mean like if i was really good i could still play for the lip eyes to that's it okay so lip obviously has a sponsor yeah
4: so okay. lip are sponsors and a couple of others in there
1: all right I, I really like the sound of this this is actually looking really really good mm. um government is involved i can see here that sport and recreation is going to be here ross might come to the opening i don't know if he did now is this going to be one of those things like okay cool we've got a league now we've got something that looks pretty good is the criteria going to change as far as qualifying for olympics going forward or do they reckon okay now you've got this league mm-hmm. you guys are going to be good enough have, have any more conversations happened on that front
4: so on that front not yet as i understand but i mean if I, we could throw a a plea out to Saskok. rather decide that criteria right now. Then we know what we're working towards for four Very years. Very good point, yeah. So I'd rather know now that we have to win a World League in 20, what's it, 2020 or whatever, 2022, the next So, well, we
1: 2020 would be the Tokyo uh, yeah. Games. Yeah,
4: so we'd rather know that in 2019, we would have had to do this, this and that. So rather tell us early. So with this league, they will expect more because they're saying you've got more opportunities, but I still think it's not enough. Yeah, this league is great, but it's not enough to sustain a national team and make sure we're performing at the highest level. So more needs to be done. So rather we know what we have to work towards for 2019, and then we work backwards and say these are the structures we need to put in place to make sure that even then, even then four years is not enough. I mean, gold medals come over eight, eight years, to be realistic.
1: Well, exactly, especially if you look at teams like Team GB and the amount of money that's got yeah. into those teams. like so That's, that's a, real success. Again, so that again,
4: at things. that gold medal has... In four years It's cost them 16 million pounds that, wow. That's a sixty million pound Program between the men's And the women's team So the men Men failed dismally They didn't make A, sem- a quarter final But the women You know Kept their hopes up And won a gold medal But That's in four years 16 million pounds From the lottery. But then The gold medal Goes beyond that yeah. it's Probably another 16 million pounds From the previous cycle So
2: sure.
4: Your gold medals This is what I was asking Actually I don't know If I asked you Or someone on Twitter I said Do we understand what goes into the gold medal? I don't don't think so. I genuinely believe in
1: this country that talent plus opportunity equals, well, let's see what happens.
4: No, I I genuinely believe we don't. Some countries, maybe in Australia, Great Britain could tell us each gold medal cost us eight million pounds or whatever pounds. And you work from there. But I don't think we genuinely understand the amount of money that has to go in to supporting athletes to be able to realize.
1: Well, that's just it. That money must go to supporting athletes not having lavish uh, sports awards. As you can see, I have no agenda or swear here. Uh, yeah.
4: All
1: right, so Well, let's let's wrap up the hockey here. So, just in closing, if people were to say, "Why should I watch this?" Because let's be honest, South Africans are very fickle. They're very lazy. They're very set in their ways. What what would be your your sort of plug as to why we should be involved in the PHL and why we must really get behind this?
4: Right now, I. Uh I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're probably doing a lot better than other sporting teams in this country.
1: Ting ting. So right lose, answer.
4: Losing Mafana, losing Springboks <laughs> makes, <laughs> makes more eyes on hockey. And I hate to say it that way, but it's actually what it is. Reality. Yeah. So, reality. So, you know, when you've had enough on Saturday of the Springboks on, on 201, switch on to 207 and there's hockey on. That's another thing. Supersport have come back this big time. Yeah, that's, so that's key. if you can't get to the down to the field... Switch on to two hundred and seven and watch some good hockey. Well,
1: at least start there. Yeah, just have a little watch on your couch. What's ten? What's ten minutes of your life?
4: And I agree. You see, you see great goals. We've, I mean, we've had games that have had seven, eight goals in a match. That's quite exciting. So, entice yourself with TV first, and then make your way down to the stadium for a beer.
1: Wonderful, and it's men's and women's, so there is something for both of both of us sure. out there. Everyone, cool sounds. Otherwise, where can people find more of you? And I am sure you'll be talking about this online.
4: Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter is where I, I I like to chat yeah. and I uh, yeah. wish I could tweet some of my deleted stuff but uh, <laughs> at Lady Sands you can catch me there. Uh, I shoot from the hip sometimes but keep it very tidy. Okay. Um. Yeah, at Lady Sands is where the conversation happens.
1: Cool, fantastic. Well, Sands, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, that was, Yeah, that's hockey straight up from the horse's mouth, so to speak. 120-something test caps for the SA side. Sand's a legend in SA hockey, and you should be supporting these people as well because hockey is a great sport when you think about it. The fact that it's easy to watch, there's not hectic rules to get involved in. Basically, it's football with a stick and a bit of other stuff. It's not too much, too technical. And uh, it's in your area. So the PHL, look out for it. We're going to wrap up the show with some Paralympics. So um, we've got some interesting stats around that. So join us. Well, stay with it, of course. Don't ever go away. This is our show. You'll enjoy all of it.
2: Well, um, I was quite emotional after, after that race uh, because I knew that we worked hard the season. And to get um, a race like that tonight was marvelous, I think the lane draw was perfect for me. And I just feed it off the, the runners in the front. I knew the Tunisian and the Chinaman will, will go out hard, but I was patient because I told myself I'm going to attack the last 200. And I exactly applied uh, my my plan that I had before the time. I'm grateful for a team that is behind me. I, I also go, went out this way to run for my wife and my little daughter and I as well. So, so yeah, I had a huge motivation for this race. Well, um, I'm going to take it um, as it comes. I'm not uh, thinking about quitting now, uh, but next year I'm thinking about uh, focusing on, on, on uh, being a teacher, and I'm also uh, finishing my honours degree in education. So this is also an invitation for schools. I need a job, so uh, come on, guys. <laughs> that is the voice of... four years wasn't oh, the most easy the four years of my life. Um, there was a lot of transitions taking place, um, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm very happy with the result that I was able to get today and throughout um, the this um, Paralympic Games.
1: That's the voice of Diane Bass. Now, he is the gold medalist. Uh, he won gold for 400 meters. I think it was T, oh, let me get into it now. I mess this up for him. <laughs> T38. That is our, one of our gold medalists. So, Paralympics was a big success. 17 medals. Um, so I haven't got the stats for previous times round. I just ran out of time this morning. Um, sorry, Sand, you're still here. You know a lot about this kind of stuff, right?
4: Uh, we hit 29 last time.
1: Oh, but,
4: uh, oh gosh, so the, we have... the, no, the argument is a smaller team. So we could, Smaller team this time around. Okay. So we could see it both ways. Yes, we've decreased on the medal tally, but we had a much, significantly smaller team. About 20-odd smaller.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, 17 medals. Let's keep it at that. So really, really good for them. That was mostly track and field, uh, which is hugely exciting because that's the one we can all understand and watch really, really well. So our sprinters did really, really well. Uh, Shoulder Toy, he got a double. Now... I know people will say, well, it's only the Paralympics, so it's not going to be taken that seriously. But when you look at the events these guys were doing, I mean, like, Ernst van Dijk did absolutely everything possible if it involved a wheelchair. This guy was everywhere. I mean, I I was expecting him to pop up in the wheelchair rugby court at some stage. The guy, he does sprint races. He does marathons. He does all kinds of things. These are a variety of skill sets that you need and a variety of conditioning. And he just powers through all of it. Such an absolute legend. Um, that's Dion Bass himself. He, he won a medal in the long jump and he won it in the sprinting 400 meters. Now, when you run the 400 meters, just look at Wade Finikic, right? That guy is so damn talented. He could run the 100, 200, and 400. He only ran the 400 because you've got to specialize. Look at Casa Semenya. She is incredible. She could run the 400, the 800. In the Olympics, she ran the 800 only. Look at a guy like um, Shoulder Toy. He won the 100 meters in the T37, and then he won it in the 400 meters too. These are very different races. Like, just think you can sprint. That's That's half the thing. To run the 400 meters, the training you need to do to become very good at the 400, and it's so different. I mean, if you look at Usain Bolt, he started off as a 400-meter runner, uh, hated it so much that he eventually said to his coach, look, let me give a 100 a try. He laughed at him and he said, okay, cool. If I can win a race or two, give me a chance at a 100. That's how much he hated the 400. So you want to get away from that event. So here we've got guys who are not only winning gold in that, but in complete different disciplines. So 17 in total. Let me just run you through this sort of what is an honors board of note here. And then I'll tell you exactly what it's going to cost Mr. Christmas at the airport when they get back. So Kevin Paul, he started off. He got the gold medal in the men's 100-meter breaststroke, SB9. Hilton Langehoven got the gold medal in the men's T12 long jump. Shoulder Toy got the gold medal in the men's T3700. Van der Fandemerva got the bronze medal the, in the T3700. Ilsa Hayes, she was also one of our hugely talented sprinters. Silver medal, women's uh, T13 100-meters. Tando Makhlangu, silver medal in the men's 200-meter T42. He is 14 years old. Uh, Amazing story. Tyron Pile, bronze medal, men's F42 shot put. Zanele Siku, uh, bronze medal in the women's javelin. Uh, Anruin Lievenberg, silver medal, women's T47, 400 meters. Ernst van Dijk, there he is. It was his eighth medal at the Olympics, the fifth time he's gone to the Olympics games. Gold medal in the men's H5 road race. Reynard Hammond, gold medal in the men's T20 javelin. Ndumsit Tutu, silver medal in the men's 100 meters T9 uh, Dion Bass has mentioned he got the bronze medal in the T38 long jump Shoulder Toy gold medal men's 400 meter T37 Hilton Langehoeven another double medalist uh, silver medal men's 200 meter T12 Ilsa Hayes again silver medal women's 400 meter T13 and then Dion Bass as we play the clip there Gold medal, men's 400 meters. Okay, so what this means for the bonas. When they get back and for Kila, who is too busy to go to hockey, but he'll be here at the airport, it was stated that 400,000 goes for a gold medal, 200,000 for a silver, and 80,000 for a bronze. Okay, so if you tally that up, there's seven golds. Six silvers and four bronzes, right? So that's 2.8 million rands going to go onto the gold medals. 1.2 million rands going to go onto the silvers and 320,000 on the bronzes. So that is 4.32 million extra going to our Paralympic athletes, which is cool. What isn't cool is that our minister will be hugely crass and start throwing numbers around in the public eye. You know, I've got some issues with this. I've had I had my say about this in the past. I'm not going to crap on any more about it. But what this all means, right, is that there is so much talent in this country. And it's being highlighted now because most of our sports are really in the toilet when it comes to the fact that our team sports aren't jelling. There's various factors at play here. But what this all means is that we need to start backing our, our athletes. We need to put funding into them. Uh That Dion was just saying in that clip there that he's looking for support. You know, there's obviously sorry he 's obviously still going to have a job on the outside of this the guy 's hugely talented he 's winning gold medals at the Olympics, but he has to have a job and it 's not easy getting there, like you say that four years is a massive sacrifice the things you 've got to do in order to become an Olympic just an Olympian, actually, let alone competing and being on that podium at the end of it. So much goes into this, and um, I think we 've got to find ways because we can 't re- rely on government to do the right thing all the time. If ever. Um, so we've got to find ways in the community to really get behind these guys. So if you know of people who know these people, big, big, small, whatever it is, whether it's going to support them in their local meets, whether it's going to support them, um, if you're involved in a corporate that could benefit from exposure around that. It's obviously a very capitalist way of looking at it, but there has been great stories of how, um, you know, a guy has got a set of blades that he can now run. So he's gone from having a pretty dire existence, right? I mean, if you have a limb taken away, I mean, we had Jeffrey in here recently who unfortunately was in a car accident and he's paralyzed from basically the chest down. You know, your your life can take a horrible turn, um, but it needs sport to get it back on on the fast end in many ways. So we might see a pair of, of blades as just being a sporting accessory. For some people, it's a lifeline to a life that they couldn't already have. The age of 14, I mean, that that young guy winning a medal in the Paralympics, that's huge. You know, he's, he's in Rio. It's absolutely massive. So even though it feels like we have no say in these kind of things, we could all make a difference. So all the energy we use for bitching at the spring box, that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to be all preachy today. I promise, but we could all make a little bit of an effort. We could all make a bit of a difference. And I will leave you with that today. That is my passing thought. We could all make a little bit of a difference if we try. And even if it's as much as just going and watching something you haven't really watched live before. Simple as that. So that is my passing thoughts. Catch the rest of the show. If you haven't been listening to all of it live on thebounce.co.za every single week, there's a little tab there that says The Bounce Show, so you can catch all the different shows. Catch all the other stuff I'm writing. I'm going through a good phase right now. I tell you, I've got some good articles there for you to read. Otherwise, catch me every morning uh, on cliffcentral.com or touchcentral.fm.fm uh, on The Gareth Cliff Show where I do my usual sports, and uh, next week, massive rugby talk today was just me skirting a couple of issues and giving some perspective but next week we get into the nitty and the gritty and i look forward to you joining me back then uh, uh yeah that's it that's for the week thanks for joining me ciao oh crap different channel pulled that one up there Ta-da. okay
2: catch you back next week thanks for joining me this is cliffcentral.com Cliff